I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Iron Brew Podcast. Brad Mel, Matt Blanchard, Matt Ellis. Uh, right, so obviously we did have the Torquay game. I think we might come on to that slightly later on. But I think the, the big news is, of course, the uh, the statement or the interview that the, the chairman's put out on the, on the club website following that game. Um, I think there's lots of interesting points uh, to go in there and we, we can have a chat through them and, and see sort of what we think. And because I, th- I think realistically as well, this is, is probably, I guess, second major communication to the fans, really. You've had the the radio interview on Humberside when he first came in. Uh, and then, you know, we've, we've had this that's come out after the game and it's, you know, it's decent length. It's like 46 minutes and it's not written. It's, you know, it's on audio. So that's great. And, you know, fans, fans were saying, you know, we wanted a bit more information, wanted some communication, what are his plans for the club, things like that. And I think he certainly put a lot of that out there, which I think is definitely fair playing and create to him. I think we'll go through it. There's some stuff I'm sure you know, we would want as fans and, and I'm sure he will clarify in the future. Uh, but as starter points and, you know, as as we have a better idea now of, I guess, what he's thinking with the club, what his aims are, what his plans are than we did last week. And the fact that he sort of come out and communicate that, I think that's a good thing, don't you? Yeah, I think there definitely needed to be some clarification on certain points. I think uh, you just have to look on social media, the quite a lot of rumours um, regarding many aspects, really, of, of the club and um, the one that certainly was picking up pace sort of towards the end of the back end of last week was was the Uncaston move and, and moving training there. Um, you know, I think quite a few fans had seen it and uh, didn't think it was going to happen. I think I think a lot of fans uh, were, were seeing quite a few comments saying they're uh, bullshit and, and things like that. And then you know, lo and behold, on Saturday it's announced by the club. Um, so you know that that was certainly interesting. But I, I do think. You know, it was about time. I think we called for it last week on the podcast um, that we needed some clarification about where the club was heading. Um, and, you know, I think I think we've got that now. Um, I think it's certainly divided the fans. Um, you know, I think the various dis- different aspects of it as well, I think as people have different kind of opinions on, on the different aspects of it. So, um, yeah, it was much needed uh, and, you know, quite eye-opening, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that there's there's been obviously there's been a lot of uncertainty. There's kind of the looming um, deadline of, of the 24th of May, which Hilton actually kind of publicised himself before he deleted his twi- Twitter account um, in terms of transferring the ground back to um, back to the club's ownership um, and and a few other things up in the air. And I think that the, the rumours about kind of the operational side of the club and the training kind of moving to Wilkeston was um, pretty strong and and. Obviously, they were confirmed in 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 the recorded statement that that Hilton obviously um, put out. So I think it, it it's good that I think he's, he's obviously seen the need. I know we kind of called for a statement because we we needed to know more about this. Um, and and this is at the point where because we, we were almost certainly relegated, so um, there needed to be some clarity of what the plans were for next season because that, that was still kind of up in the air and and there was really no no communication. Apart from his kind of initial statement when he when he took control of the club, um, to, to lay out his plans and, and and stuff like that, and I think he he's he's done that, um, 
to an extent um, with this statement um, this week, which is which is good. You know, we've got that communication. That's really important. So I think it, it still um, maybe leaves a few things unanswered. There's still quite a few question marks and, and some concerns there, but I'm sure we'll go into kind of it into into it in a little bit more depth. Yeah, well, maybe let's just start with something that I think had been speculated about, um, but has been confirmed. I think it's it's a good thing that given that we're dropping down to National League North and, you know, a lot, a fair amount of the clubs down there are part-time, aren't they? I think it's, you know, to be expected in, in some regards. The fact that it's being confirmed that certainly the playing side, the football side, is going to stay full-time, I think that is quite a relief, really, don't you? Yeah, I do. Um you know, I think he did mention that on Twitter a couple of weeks ago that we wouldn't go part time. Um, however, that is just the football side, isn't it? Isn't it? I think um, it's quite clear after the statement that he made, or after the interview, that the you know the, the operational side um, is going to be scaled back significantly. And I think that was also to be expected. Um, you know, we we're obviously dropping down now to the National League North. Um, there's still quite a lot of staff at, at the club and unfortunately he's he's decided that we just can't carry on running the club as we are um with the with the level of staffing and, and things like that. And you know, some aspects of it, you look at the the restaurant, um I don't know how many people use the restaurant apart from on a match day. You know, there's there's various other things, ticket office, the club shop. And um, I know when I've been down down there in the past, I don't know, a couple of months, it's been quiet. Um and, you know, I think Unfortunately, as as disappointing as it is that that people are going to be losing their jobs, um, you can understand that that you know we had to scale back, we we have to make cuts um, to be able to move forward, and that's one aspect that that I probably do agree with that you know we couldn't keep running full time as we are doing across the board, and and I think those were probably the easiest decisions to make, um, although you know it, it's not great for the staff and. And obviously, hopefully, they get fixed up elsewhere. And you look at the the guys that have left already. Obviously, three of them um, that Hilton mentioned on on the podcast. Uh, obviously, there there is there still is a big amount of uncertainty. Um, there was when Swan was here. Was the club going to go under? Things like that. So you know, these staff may have been looking for other opportunities at that time. Um, but you know, these rumours, redundancies, and and things like that, and scaling back have been swirling around for a while since Hilton came in. It was one of the first things he mentioned in his initial interview that the club's still been run like a League One club and and, and things needed to change. So, you know, that they, they probably were looking for other opportunities uh, anyway in case that, that redundancies happen. So, you know, hopefully everyone gets fixed up because it's uh, it's, a, it's a terrible situation and unfortunately it's happened because of because of the poor performance on the pitch for the last sort of four or five years um and yeah i, I can i can understand that part of it um and, and i have no issues with that in the sense that you know we, we can't carry on running as we are and you know that that part of the business is obviously losing money i, th- I think it's pretty understandable um for the most part um obviously you know the football club is is a business and, and it's been a failing business for a number of years really and um, you know, it, it, we I guess we we probably have still been operating in, in terms of, of an operational capacity um, as as a as a league club, and obviously I guess that's more sustainable if we're looking for promotion back to the league from from the national league. But obviously that's not the case. We're, we're dropping down to a kind of regional football next season, um, which means that you know 
we we obviously can't sustain a full-time um ground that's open every day of the week that's not always operating that's not always bringing money in even though it's open and you know and and stuff like that and and yes it, it, it's very very unfortunate that it means people are going to lose their jobs and, and it's you know it's, it's, it's terrible but uh you know i think it's it's fair enough isn't it really it's it's just one of those horrible things it, it's just the fact that the business that the football club's not been doing what it's not been performing so unfortunately that means that people are going to lose their jobs and it's 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 not great but I suppose that's the way it is, and and I think the thinking, obviously, as 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 Hilton said in his kind of interview, was that you know it it makes more sense to put more money into the playing side to make sure that we've got a better chance of coming straight back up, and and obviously, I seemingly that's what he wants to do, but obviously, there's other questions of of you know how how what kind of experience is this going to create for fans coming in on a match day when all this has been dialed back to zero if you like you know will that affect things like catering will it affect some of the other um kind of uh, offerings that the club usually gives on, on a match day and stuff like that you know is that going to affect morale around the club i assume it's really really low at the minute anyway but this this certainly would not have helped so um it, it does raise a few questions but i would say that fundamentally it does make sense there had to be changes um whether it whether we we liked it or not, you know, it's it's just a fact of life, and it's it's very unfortunate for a few people, but um, you know, it's sort of inevitable, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, and that's a good point you made there about sort of the that side of things being dialed back to zero. Um, you just think about potentially you, you're literally mothballing Clamford Park, aren't you, for for six days a week, um, every every fortnight, um, unless there's midweek games, and. We know, you know, it's only last season, was it last season, season before, where the stadium was in such a, a mess, really. It was this uh, season, yeah, start yeah, of the season. For the friendlies and, and things like that, it was just, you know, clearly um, run down and, and dirty and, and things like that. And uh, unfortunately, I think once, if the club do that and, and they kind of shut up shop six days a week, um, I think you can fall into the trap of, of it kind of easily becoming very tired very quickly. Um, and getting a bit run down. And, um, you know, we know it's not the best anyway. You know, it, it is looking tired in places. Uh, but I do think if you shut the um, the ground um, and you, you're kind of scaling back, it might be that it's, that it's even worse. Um, and I know that was a big complaint of fans at the start of this season um, when the stadium was in, in that state, um, you know, bird shit on seats and, and things like that. And unfortunately... You know, if the staff are not going to be there next season, we we probably uh, see more of that, and that's that's a shame of it, really. It's it's that Glanford Park, as it stands now, with the, with the plans in place as they are, um, is is literally going to be stood empty. But I can understand, to a point, um, the reason for doing it because, you know, he's probably looking at the books, he's probably looking at staff costs, he's probably looking at how much money the the club shop and and things like that bring in. Uh, and it obviously doesn't stack up, so you know that that is one part of this that that I do understand. And um, unfortunately, uh, although it's it's not great for you know the, the staff that are there, the local area, the community, things like that. Um, you know, I I do understand that things needed to change. I'd say the two main points of this interview are the Ilkeston move and the academy. And I think should we do the academy first? Um, so yeah, so what what do we make about the sort of closing of the academy completely? Because I, I I guess I'm in sort of two minds again. It's like when you think of the 
the personnel involved, you know, the actual people, the the coaches, the kids, you know, the parents, all of that on a human personal level, it, it's terrible that it's closing. You know, the, the, some of these kids have been in there, you know, couple of years, haven't they? And, and this is sort of their career path and their trajectory and things like that. On the other hand, again, National League North, you know, is it sustainable to run an academy and to run sort of youth teams and, and things like that? Again, you're probably looking at the books and and saying no. So it's another one where it's like, these are very difficult decisions and I can understand the reason for making them. Yeah, I mean, this one with the academy, uh, I think you've got it spot on there about the human element. Um, you know, some of these lads have been with the academy uh, a few years now, kind of going through the age groups and, um, you know, for it to be closing, I think he's, he's desperately sad, to be honest. Um, and again, the the financials, I don't think it's as cut and dry as, as saying, you know, it's not an on-off switch that we're going to um, stop the academy, you know, we're going to close down the academy and it's not going to cost anything um, because I think there are cost implications for doing so. Um, I know Hilton suggested this season, you know, current season, uh, we, we've got half a million pounds towards the academy. Um, and next season, we'll only get 250,000, which, you know, that that is what it is. And then the next season, we won't get anything. Um, no, no, agree, no disagreements with that. However, um, what a lot of people probably won't know is that that 500,000 from this season, um, and obviously previous seasons as well, is not ring fenced purely for academy use. Um, so, you know that money we haven't spent uh, five hundred thousand on the on the academy. Um, you you get certain scenarios where uh, maybe coaches work for the, a bit of the first team and, and then the academy. You know that that could be a potential scenario. Um, however, you know I think ultimately that that, that money that we've received has um, at times been used to keep us afloat. Um, and I think it's not really against the rules um, to do that. I think other clubs are doing that. I think other clubs are spending money on, uh, you know, the first team and uh, from that youth team budget. Um, however, there are a couple of scenarios where um, the EFL or, you know, can claw that money back um, if it's not been used correctly. So, um, for example, the club last season had two um, positions or they had the money to fill two positions, so a lead lead foundation coach and a player care sort of, um, I don't know what the word is, but, you know, they will look after players that that don't get a contract and and kind of move on from the club just to make sure that they are kind of um, doing what what they need to do uh, after not receiving a contract. Um, And those two salaries alone, you know, we're looking quite a lot of money. We're looking at sort of 60, 60 plus thousand that, potentially the EFL can claw back because we've not used the money for those two positions and we've used it elsewhere. Um, now, the, this money is is okay to be used elsewhere as long as the academy is still running to a level that, that they find acceptable. And obviously, we've been doing that. Um, however, Hilton suggested we wouldn't be able to carry it on because there's a 250,000 shortfall. Um, and whilst there's a 250,000 shortfall from last season in terms of the funding, the academy doesn't cost 500,000 to run um, and it hasn't done for, for the last few seasons. So um, I would like to see that. Knowing that, I would like to see it potentially scaled back. Um, again, I know that's not ideal for, for some of the coaches uh, that are looking after the, the younger age groups. It's certainly not ideal for, for the lads in, in those age groups either um, because 
you know, ultimately, if they just went with an under eighteen side, for example, they're going to be there's going to be lads that have been coming through the age groups that, that are ultimately let go, and, and obviously that's heartbreaking for them at, at this stage. Um, however, I do think it would have been possible to scale it back, but still kind of um, keep the academy going. And there's other options, in, including Category Four academies. Um, and also, you know, Lincoln, um, when, when they went into non-league, they had a lot of volunteers that, that came in just to keep the academy going, given it's such an important part of the community um, for kind of young players from the local area. Um, and, you know, I, I hope there's a bit of a U-turn on this, to be honest, because I do think um, given potential clawbacks in terms of the funding that they've received, given the redundancies and, you know, Tony Dawes has been there 20 odd years. If he was made redundant, he would be due, uh, you know, a, a decent severance package. And there's there's various other coaches um, that are going to be due redundancies as well. So it's not as cut and dry as, as just saying, that's it, we're not doing the academy because, you know, there's going to be cost implications to do that. So that's the one I, I, I really don't understand, um, given they would receive a decent amount of funding next season. But obviously he's made a decision that, that he wants to close that. And uh, yeah, that, that's that. And obviously... Unfortunately, again, more people are going to be made redundant, and uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of kids are going to be really upset with the news. But on the other side of hand of this is that are we still thinking of it in terms of you know we are a football league club, you know where you do get that funding? I know you've just explained sort of how those sort of drop down payments work, but one of his other points was sort of just how successful has this academy been? And and to be fair, that's something we've said on this podcast quite a lot over the last couple of years i know in recent times uh, and actually i think um andy actually iron stats put up a a little uh, graphic today actually of um how many people uh from i think 2016 onwards um have been you know from our academy and and sort of in the team where they are now you know we sort of questions about the sort of successfulness of it and we've we've pulled that up haven't we i think the players that have been in the team this season recently doing brilliantly you know as as the chairman said in his statement you know um but recently as well i mean how how many have there been to be honest i mean i know we numbers wise we've had a few in the last couple of years but this is when we've had hardly any players at all you know and when they've been thrown in probably before they're ready because we didn't have anybody else and and i think a lot of them have done very well so you know we do lose that you know those players coming through but on the whole as you look back I don't know, 10, 20 years, has there really been enough to justify keeping an academy, you know, in National League North? I mean, as, as you said, you know, since, since 2016, 2017, um, <clears throat> kind of players that, that have come through the academy and, and, and done whatever, you know, moved on or, or kind of played in, in the first team, you know, there's, there's not that many real sort of highlights or outstanding players. Um, you know, a few include Hakeeb, Adelican, obviously. Um, he I'd was, say Sutton's he was, one. Know, he's, he's getting sort really of really good. Yeah, Sutton's at Harrogate at the minute. <clears throat> and obviously he was at Bradford prior to that. Obviously you've got Kyle Walton, who seems mm-hmm. to be doing okay at Stockport, to be fair. And obviously he was at Notts County um, last season. And then really, you know, I always thought Butchard was going to be a good one, but he's ended up at Farsley Celtic. So it's not really happened to him on the, on the up for him on the level he probably would have liked. And then just, just looking down the list, you know, it, it just kind of tapers off into obscurity, really. Um, and obviously, you Cameron Wilson, who, who's done really well this season. Um, but apart from that, the the only other real 
uh, sort of notable name on that is maybe Finlay Shrimpton and, and Dan Gallimore. Obviously, they've, they've been kind of active in the in I'd throw the Foster season, in there as well. Probably last season. And as you said, Foster as well. Um, but apart from that, <clears throat> you're, you're looking at people like, you know, you've got Harry Jessup in there, Farsley Celtic. Um, it's lames I've not even heard of, I'm going to be quite honest with you. Um, Oliver Lobley, you know, um, at Belper. So, um, you know, it's, it's had varying degrees of success since kind of 2016, 2017. So that's obviously like the last sort of like six, seven years. Um, and, and really, would you say that that's a good return on whatever investment's been put in? Probably not, because it's not really made us that much money. Obviously, we got some money from from some sort of money for a key, but I'm not sure if that was by, by a tribunal in the end. I can't remember. Mm. Seems like an absolute age ago now. Um, but other than that, there's did, no one here that really... Did we not get... Did, am I misremembering? Did we not get money for Dawson <clears throat> when he went to yeah. Celtic? Yeah, I thought we did. did. I thought we did. Should have mentioned yeah. Joey Dawson, but... Um, no, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, well, um, no, no, it's an interesting <clears throat> thing because, like, I mean, I was, well, we're talking about sell-on clauses, aren't we? I, 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 was, I thought I was maybe misremembering, but I'm sure we got money for him. Yeah, we did, I think. And there was, um, although going back a little bit further, there was uh, Charles Vernon, who ended up going to Derby. And I think that was actually, at the time, quite a substantial fee. Um, and then, he obviously, yeah, I think he ended up Grimsby and, and various others and Burton. I'm not sure where he is now, but um, but he was another one that came through. And to be honest, didn't see first-team football. He He was sold well before that, really. So... That was kind of what probably one of the um, the highlights in terms of uh, transfer fee received. But yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. And I think we've said it on numerous occasions that it hasn't quite happened in terms of players coming through. Um, I think you look at it, Godden um, is, is the one that's probably played the highest level since, you know, coming through. And he did have spells in the first team and, and couldn't quite do it for us, could he? So um yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I do I do think that you look at other clubs, um, you know, at a similar level, sort of League Two level, and, and they always you always seem to find that they're selling players on for, for quite a lot more money. And unfortunately that, that hasn't seemed to happen. However, you know, you look at the players that are coming through now, I think Foster's one that, that could potentially go um and play at a higher level in time. Uh, crib as well. He's kind of gone off the radar, but he was touted as uh, one that, that the big clubs were looking at, especially championship clubs. Um, and he seems to have just disappeared. So um, I think that there are players at the moment that are at the club that that could potentially be, you know, sold and and then move on with the sell on. Um, so you know, and and I, I do think the under 18s at the moment they've got a decent side. I think the the work Rob's done. Um, over the past couple of seasons since he's come back to the club has, has been good. And I think um, you look at the front two with, with Poulter um, and Sellers Fleming, obviously um, they've been scoring quite a few goals. I think Poulter has probably caught the eye of quite a few teams. I've, I've heard Barnsley are, are rumoured to be interested in him. Um, so, you know, there are some decent players there. I know it's not quite happened for them in terms of maybe progressing through the leagues. Um, but I do think we are producing players that are capable of playing at the level um, that we currently are. Uh, I think I think we've proven that with Finn and obviously Tom Pugh that's come through and, and various others. And, you know, Foster as well. I, I'd have no issues with, with him playing in goal. So I do think we are uh, producing players for the level. And I think we always have done. Um, but it's just that we haven't quite produced players 
that we've sold on for for millions, or or we've got that sell on, and they've gone on to to sign for you know one of the big clubs for millions, and and Netty does a big juicy sell on. That's that's never quite happened. So, um, so yeah, it depends how you look at it really, because I think you look at the squad as it is um, at the moment. We've got quite a lot of young players that have come through the youth setup. Um, and some would say that's really successful that that those are you know that those players have played this season and arguably uh, have been some of our better performers. Um, so you know you, you could look at it that way, um, but but also if you I suppose if you're looking at sell-ons and things like that, Hilton mentioned sell-ons and that's sort of what he was basing his arguments on. Um, maybe maybe not as many as we would have liked. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's 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 just worth. Um sort of mentioning um the nature of which um kind of the the sort of the the, the players and and the staff the coaches were, were kind of notified of the closure of the academy um and and i think it's it's something that obviously i've kind of spoken about on twitter and, it, and it's been on twitter but um the kind of these these people literally found out the academy was closing via social media <clears throat> like that they, they weren't told prior to this so in the in hilton's interview you know, as soon as it got out, that is that is as soon as people knew. Um, that is the news essentially that the academy is closing, which obviously equates to redundancies, to um, you know, to staff um, and 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 stuff like that, and coaches. And and I think one of the parents of the one of the academy kids that have been in the academy for years um, was basically saying that they were they were playing a, an academy game against Bradford, and, and and they literally found out that the academy had been closed as they were waiting to start the match on the sidelines, and the coaches found out in the car park. Whipping your phone out and see, seeing somebody you know who's just tweeted on Twitter saying SUFC academy is going to close, and you happen to be one of the coaches that you you know you rely on that wage to pay your mortgage, and you can be like, wait a minute, nobody's told me this. You know, what I mean, it, it, you know, I mean. We, we we've discussed the necessity of doing it and, and and the kind of pros and cons, but the manner in which it was done just really lacks kind of any any class or any sensitivity for me really. And I think it's just unfortunate that Hilton has, has kind of foregone any kind of procedure or or ceremony to let these people know that that indeed is going to happen. But instead, they've found out on 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 a Twitter feed or or if they've listened to the statement, um, it, it's really disappointing um to, to be quite honest um and, and it's it's pretty amateur um so i think we've got to talk about that really um because it's a negative thing but i think it's something that's that's been handled really really poorly and and it's just really sad really unfortunate that that these people who have, have, have now got to find alternate employment and, and having to kind of find out that way really um so yeah i just think we, we really needed to talk about that um and and a lot of people at the club at the moment are very very happy I mean that that's the thing as well though. Have has it actually been confirmed to the staff? Um, because I, I did see a tweet earlier on today. Someone's um, a family member worked in the academy, and and he's not actually had it confirmed either way. Um, so I mean you could read into that one or two ways. We know one that um, it's just unprofessional from the club, and and um, you know really really poor handling of the situation. Or secondly, it might be that. Uh, potentially they're looking into other avenues um, and I'm hoping it's the latter to be honest because I think if, if they can keep some kind of academy scale back academy that that does keep um, you know go bear in mind they don't actually train at Glanford Park and um, they train up at the school and, and all the offices and things like that are up at the school um, you know I, I'm just hoping that it's because they don't know and they're still looking into ways that they, they could potentially 
um, salvage something of the academy because I think, as I said, it'd be a big shame if if it went completely. Right. I think should we move to the next most significant point of this um, this statement that's come out? Uh, I would say that's definitely the training facilities and this move to Ilkeston, which obviously has been picked up by national press now, hasn't it? It's it's sort of all over Twitter on BBC Sport and and things like that today. Um, sort of obviously attracting comments from all sorts of fans you know fans of different clubs um the reason for it being is that obviously it's a more central location it can attract a better class of player uh the facilities are obviously better obviously we know he formerly owned that club didn't he and he's put a lot of money into that to develop that so he'll know it he'll know the facilities um and and on the face of it that that all makes sense let's talk about this facility side of it first rather than attracting players because i think players can lead into this sort of loan model that we're, we can maybe have a chat about as well uh but yeah the facilities i mean you know our training pitch it's not great is it we've known that for years it's not really that good the drainage isn't good um i i do wonder if there were facilities closer than ilkeston i mean i know they did they mentioned botsford didn't they but that's had a big multi-million pound investment recently hasn't it so you know i i don't know i, I get the logic of going there i do i just wonder if there's something closer i mean to be honest i don't uh I just think, looking at it, um, I can't. But I'm actually astonished that there's not been more pushback um, from fans. I think overall, I think it's gone down quite well. I think it's been widely accepted that it's it's a good idea. Um, and unfortunately, I, I mean, it's it's all about opinions. But I don't share that opinion. Um, I don't really think, in terms of sort of attracting players, uh, I think he's he's thinking that we could attract a bigger pool of players. Um, you know, from sort of cities, towns on, on that M1 sort of, um, you know, either side of the M1. Um, however, I mean, I don't think Scunthorpe's necessarily difficult to get to. Um, I understand part of what he said, that it might be easier for some players to stay at home. You know, some people in the Nottingham area, because I think that's probably where we're looking for, for quite a lot of our players um, in the summer. Uh, so I can kind of understand that bit. But, you know, to me, it doesn't make a great deal of sense at all um i think you're right i think that there's probably a, a facility closer to home i know Bottesford um certainly have, have invested quite a lot of money into the pitch he did say they'd looked at Bottesford, but Bottesford, uh, i think that they'd actually put on facebook that no talks had, uh, over the cost of hiring the pitch um you know had, had been had uh, whether they'd looked at it and and who knows why that wasn't suitable um but yeah i mean in terms of the training pitch we do know it's not the best obviously the drainage has been a, a bit of an issue um but i think if you look at it over the course of the last few seasons i don't think it's been enough of an issue to um you know it's not really had an impact on months on end of training you know it's been an inconvenience on on certain weeks certain days when, when maybe it's it's flooded a little bit and the standing water on the pitch but i don't think it's um you know it's not a big problem really and i think they've always found alternative uh, um pitches to train on in the local area whether that be fred goff i know they've done some training at fred goff um or you know high ridge i think they've, they've used the facilities there on the um the artificial pitches there so you know for me, I, I just don't, I can't really get my head around it. I know some people think it's great. Um, I, I just don't, I just can't agree. Um, and yeah, I mean, with, with the players thing and, and attracting um, better players, 
I, I, I just can't. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. See that, to be honest. And you look at the players that have, have come in from around that area. I mean, if, if we're getting more Fusters and Madonnas, um, then, then I'm definitely against it uh, because, you know, they, they've, they've just not been good enough. Uh, I, I know there's other clubs that have, have tried this model. I know Barrow do this. Um, you know, they train in Manchester, just south of Manchester, I think in Salford, actually. Um, and then, you know, they, they play the home games up in Barrow, and I can kind of understand that in, in the where Barrow is on the map. You know, it, it, if anyone's ever been, it's an absolute pain in the ass to get to. That makes a little bit more sense. But where we are, I, I don't think it's that difficult. And I don't think, um, you know, if, if players want to come and, you know, the money's right, um, the the uh, club is in a stable position and, and things like that, I think they will. I think... Whether we're, we're training here at Ilkeston make, makes no difference to players, um, and yeah, I, I just can't understand it. And I know we mentioned that the the pitch there is is good, um, but I think we need to know more about the, the other facilities there. We've obviously heard about the the world class 4G pitch, but are there any grass pitches? Um, you know, how many grass pitches there are? All these things, gyms, um, you know, treatment rooms, all all this kind of thing, and um, that that would be needed for. Um, you know, to, to run a, a professional football team from. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm not thrilled, as you can tell. Yeah, I think, I don't know. Like, I mean, somebody says we're going to uproot the operational side of the football club to Ilkston from Scunthorpe. Surely the first thing you bring, you think, is, uh, okay. Like, you know, that surely alarm bells, you know, even sort of the most blinkered fan must think, hmm, yeah, no, like this probably not the best thing. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, I, I think it, it worries me massively. Um, and I know we've taken some stick kind of public, publicly for, for asking um, Hilton some reasonable, but not necessarily difficult, but tricky questions than um, where am I going to sit next season? with my season ticket. Do you know what I mean? We've been asking him all the questions that, and I think that realistically it's, it's concerning. I think that that's what, that's what I, I genuinely think. I think that it's concerning that we are uprooting the operational, the training side of the club and moving to Ilkston. You know, it's not as if we, we play in the outer Hebrides and we can only get fishermen to play in the team. You know, you know, it, it wasn't a problem for us to get good players when we were top end of league one, uh, when we were in the championship, you know, um, even when we were in League Two before it all went to, you know, 
to the wall, so to speak. Um, you know, that was never an issue bringing good players in. Look, we're, set, we're centrally located. Um, you know, obviously a lot of the players would, would live in Doncaster. You know, we, we had no problem attracting players like Kevin Van Veen, you know, Josh Morris, um, you know, Billy Sharp, Keogh, all these kind of players. It was never an issue for them playing and living in and around Scunthorpe, you know, and I know a few of them either lived in Donny or they lived a little bit further afield and, and it was not an issue to get Scunthorpe. It, it's easy to get to relatively speaking, you know, from, from most places, you know, you know, looking at an hour or something like that. And, and it's, so it, it raises alarm bells. And obviously if we're going to be training on this world-class four G pitch, you know, brilliant. That's absolutely fine. But what good is that if we're going to be playing on, on grass at Glenford park, um, you know, Surely alarm bells as well. Let's go from 4G to grass. You know, is it that much of a transition? I have no idea. I'm not a professional footballer, but surely that, that again raises some alarm bells. So, um, <clears throat> you know. Well, I think a clarification point that's probably certainly needed is is the timescale of all this. Because I know he said that they're, they're still looking for a site in Scunthorpe that would then move back to to train in. But, you know, how long is that? How long would that sort of take place? You know, I think I think we need like dates on this, really, because if it's only going to be, you know, if it was only going to be pre-season, for example, and then you're back in, I think probably fine. If if it's not, if it's longer, you know, how, what are we talking here? How much are we talking yeah, I mean, that's it, isn't it? Obviously, um, it would require building a new facility somewhere. So they've got to find a certain plot of land to do that. I don't think that's going to be easy. I think the Swans did try and, and look to identify somewhere where they, they could have um, done some kind of training facility. Obviously, it was going to be part of the lakes and, and all, that, all that kind of thing. Um, and in the end, there was just the investment in, in the pitch. Uh, just outside Cranford Park. Um, for me, I mean, the biggest thing for me out of all of this is if the benefits of using Ilkeston's pitch uh, and running the club from Ilkeston, uh, you know, the football side of things, at least from there, um, if it means we've got access to a wider pool of players, if it means we've got access to, um, you know, better facilities, all these things that, that Hilton said were, were positives and, and the benefits of moving, then I, I genuinely cannot see us moving back while this regime is in charge. Why would we? Um, because, you know, if we do move back to Scunthorpe, okay, he may have built a facility in the next few years. Um, fair enough. You know, if he does, that's great. Um, however, then it kind of contradicts what he's saying about the location of Wilkeston being able to bring these players in. Uh, and I think that's that's the point that worries me on this, that there's no timeline for it. Um, and, you know, the, the benefits of Wilkeston, if they're, if they're that good, I, I just can't see us coming back. The other thing, you know, we, we've got to identify a plot of land for this. I believe he's he's had talks with uh, the family, the, the farmers, I think it's the Jacksons that own the plot of land, the other side of the railway bridge. Um, however, if drainage is a problem at Glanford Park, then drainage is going to be a problem the other side of the railway bridge. So for me, again, if if that is the case, and, and that's where he's looking to do it, it's closer to the trend. Uh, I just can't see I just can't see the the viability in that, to be honest. Um, so you know, it's going to be interesting, but I would like to see him clarify how long we're going to be there. Um, you know, everyone wants it to be a temporary measure. I think the fans that have accepted it. And think it's a good idea. Think fine, okay, 
it's okay for a short period of time. What he's got the facilities there, he's paid for the facilities there, um, and he obviously believes they're to a, a high standard. That's fine, but when are we coming back? And you know, can he put a date on that? And can he rule out that we won't move to Uxton full time in terms of playing games? It's very interesting, but it's it's very worrying, I think, for me as well. I also bring in the question: Does it change our identity as a club? Because Think about, you know, when, when people were going on there on the protests and, you know, trying to get Swan out of the club and everything like that. So much was made on the fact that, you know, this club is part of this town and it's to do with our identity. Now, I, I get the point and people have said it that, you know, it doesn't matter where we train, you know, we're not going down to watch training. And and I, I agree with that. And, you know, Clanford, but if Clanford Park shut up in the week, you know, six days a week, you've got no activity down there in terms of training and stuff. We, we don't know as it stands, you know, with this statement and everything, obviously saying things having to get cut and scaling back, you know, where does it leave the sort of community projects in terms of, you know, like school visits and, and, you know, like you study United and, and, and things like that. And, you know, going into schools, I mean, we've talked before, you know, that was certainly how I started. I started Scunthorpe with sort of school visits and things like that. And I know a lot of fans have certainly fans of sort of my generation, they have, um, you know, if that goes, I don't know if it is or not. I, you know, I wouldn't like to speculate. But if it did, where where do we stand in terms of you know engagement with the town, engagement with the club? Um, you know, it's just an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, this it's actually a really good point, and I think that it's that's not actually been talked about that much that I've seen um, in and around the conversation on kind of moving to Ilkston and I think fundamentally it alters the fabric of the club doesn't it it does change its identity we've gone through a really kind of you know worrying kind of phase you know like kind of a decline under Swan and and stuff like that and then obviously the the kind of process of the takeover which originally we thought it was going to be kind of um Elliot and, and Sharp but it, it didn't happen and then so you know that kind of roller coaster continued until kind of Hilton sort of popped out of nowhere and, and sort of saved the club um but yeah and i think that a lot of fans are looking for the light at the end of the tunnel after you know the kind of um the real, the real anxiety and, and the kind of stormy years of, of the past you know kind of the end of swans tenure and and, and hoping that this is going to be the light at the end of the tunnel and, and in respects it is because obviously the club wouldn't exist or at least we don't think it would exist um you know it, if it, it wouldn't we will we were weeks away. There's, from there's a chance there. that there's somebody else would have come in. There's no guarantee. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, absolutely, Hilton saved the club. You know, absolutely, we're grateful for him to him for that. Um, well, let, let, <clears> and everybody, on that. let's be honest on that though. There were bids on the table from Hardy. We don't know what there were, but there were bids on the table from Hardy and Elliot and, and Sharp did submit several bids. Um, yeah, so it's not cut and dry that the club would have died if Hilton didn't come in, but assumed that that would be the case just to kind of illustrate my point here about um in in terms of kind of we go through this patch you know we a lot of fans want to look at this this period in this process as the light at the end of the storm the light at the end of the tunnel um and to an extent they're kind of willing to ignore some of the red flags that have legitimately been raised um you know real questions over some things and you know again kind of talking points that we brought up in this podcast about just some of the questions over the the kind of statements that that, that kind of Hilton made and stuff like that but everybody wants to see it as kind of this light at the end of the tunnel and, and you know 
really we, we kind of thought it was going to be you know we brought a few players in we got a new manager we had plenty of time to turn it around and stay in this league that didn't happen and then, then again you know that that's kind of you know the fault of the quality of player brought in and, and obviously you know too many important games where Jimmy Dean didn't get it right but I kind of you know digress a little bit too much um here but um, you know, so uh, kind of we wanted that moment of kind of coming out of the storm and, and, and it being the kind of the clarity in, in the cold light of day and think, you know, actually the club has been saved. Great. We can look to a future. But there's too much stuff going on for us to say, yes, the club is 100 percent saved. The, the club is 100 percent secure. This isn't going to happen again another six months, another year where the club's future is in doubt. We can't say that now because there's so much that's up in the air and there's so much that's unanswered and there's so many kind of anxiety points which include stuff like moving to Ilkston you know significantly scaling back the operational side of, of the club and and stuff like that and and as we were saying Brad the identity of the club it's no longer rooted in the community you know this isn't there now or at least we don't perceive it to be there because we're moving from an operational day-to-day from Glamper Park to Ilkston um, and a lot of good people who've been at the club for years will lose their jobs as a result of this. Um, so it's not the same Scunthorpe United. So we're now in regional football. These changes may be needed to kind of completely arrest the slide. You know, so it's that kind of double-edged argument, really, that, you know, yes, the, these changes implemented by kind of Hilton do go to an into extent of rip the original fabric of, of, of the club apart and it's not the same club but we've not been the same club that we we have been or we know from our childhood for, for a number of years really um so you know that is the counterpoint to the argument and i know you were going to come in with that brad um, no, it wasn't trying. just that um, it wasn't just <laughs> no it wasn't just that it wasn't just that and and because to, to be honest i agree with what you're saying i agree with what you're saying they're just the thing the thing is is that if you go back to the interview, you know, you go back to that interview and what's been put out, I think the reasonings there to an extent do make sense. Okay. But also I think this is just, maybe this interview is just a start point. You know, it's, these are the ideas. This is what's coming. The details not there yet, but it will come, you know, we will get more communication. And obviously we know he's going on the other podcasts, isn't he? So hopefully some communication and clarification comes in from those points as well. Um, I'd also just sort of like to tie it back into the, the end point with what he was saying in terms of, you know, how you perceive this and how you perceive him at the club and everything like that. And I think it falls into the second one, isn't it? If if we're not convinced, which I think, you know, I think there's legitimate points without clarification do cause concern. But equally, you know, this is early days. We have to see how this plays out in terms of how these ideas play out. You know, it, it might just be that, you know, you move to Ilkeston for a little bit, train there, and then we're back in before the season, you know. Uh, we find a facility. I, I don't know if it will, but it might be that. So it, it's it's a case of sort of, Letting sort of allowing to get on with it and sort of judging then on the results, you know, on the actions. Because I think I don't think he's had time to do that yet. Well, I think you know, if if we go into next season, um, we're training in Derbyshire, we're top of the league. I don't think anyone bats an eyelid and, and everyone's you know, it's not a big thing. But I think if we start the season, it doesn't go to plan, then you know, I think there's going to be people questioning it even more and, and there's going to be more scrutiny. So I think. You know, he's, we are fickle at the end of the day, and, and I do think that, that that will play a big part. I think if, if, if we're doing well, there's going to be less, um, there's going to be fewer dissenting voices, I think. Um, but, I, yeah, that, for me, 
think it, it does, you know, that with the academy going, um, with this, you know, the, the players moving there, you're going to get fewer of the school visits, you're going to get fewer of, you know, they used to pop into the, the study centre, things like that. Um, it's not going to be as as easy. It's not going to be as um, logistically. It's not going to be as viable for for those players to just pop in after training. Um, so you do. We are going to inevitably lose that connection um, between sort of the, the club and and the local community. Um, whether whether people care about that or not, I, I don't know. Um, I say, I mean, a lot of people are going to say, I mean, I'm just here for devil's advocate today, it seems, but it, it, I think a lot of people are going to say, and I have seen it on Twitter, that realistically for them, their engagement with Scunthorpe United is they turn up to Glanford Park, they watch them for an hour and a half, they go home and they come back next week. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, one of my best mates um, does exactly that. You know, you, you try and talk about off-field things, he, he really doesn't, he couldn't care less. He, he's just there for the football um, and and that's it. And he's there every week, home and away. And and he's not too interested in things that are going on off the pitch, um, or at least he says he isn't. But um, you know, there are fans like that. I, I completely agree with that. Um, and then there are fans that are going to be scrutinising everything Hilton does. Um, and you know, I do think he made a good point at the end of of the episode. You know, either you know you're going to back me on it or give me a little bit of time and I, and I think he he does need a little bit of time because I don't think the plans are, are that clear at the moment I know um, you know we he's kind of announced these things on on the interview at the weekend but there's still quite a lot up in the air as you say um, as far as we're aware academy coaches and, and things like that haven't actually been told uh, formally that that the academy is going to be shut um, so there's there's various things still to sort out. And I know he did say that he'd be having conversations or someone at the club, maybe Turnbull, would be having conversations this week. Um, I also know that, that Turnbull's having conversations with the, the Iron Foundation, which was formerly was the footballing community, uh, and also uh, or the uh, yeah, football in the community, I believe, and Stuttgart United, who also use the building. Um, so, you know, for me, if, if it transpires that that those two who have been at the, down at the club for a very long time, you know, I remember Study United, it must be 15 years now, um, at least, that they've been down there at Glanford Park. If they move out, and I know they have offices at, and, and a facility at Heslam, but if they move out, I think that's the biggest indicator yet that all operations will, will be, um, you know, managed from Ilkeston. And I think if that's the case, then um, I think quite a few people might get a bit more anxious because I think at the moment training, you know, Hilton's made a case for it. Fans on the whole are accepting that that as a temporary measure, it could be a good thing or, or it makes sense at least in, in the meantime, in the meantime, while he finds a, a facility. But I think if the whole operation moves, um, you're ultimately going to be losing some good people from the club who, who it's just not feasible for them to travel to Derbyshire to to undertake that job, um, even if they're not made redundant or their role is not made redundant. Um, so you're going to be losing some really good people if that happens. So that's one to watch. I think um, you know that that for me that is a really big indicator of whether the shutters are going to be up six days a week or whether um, there's going to be some still something down there obviously the ticket office and and those 
um, outlets, the shop and things like that. It sounds like they're going to be shut, apart from on a match day, um, which, which is fine. But if the operational staff and the offices are going to be closed, then, you know, it, it, it seems to me that although Hilton didn't confirm it, it would suggest that all operations are going to be run from there. Um, and I think that might upset some fans, actually. Um, the training, I think quite a lot have, have obviously let it go. Some don't see an issue with it at all. Um, but I do think if if everything moves over there, then, um, you know, I think there's going to be a few people concerned and, and a little bit anxious and wanting to know why. I think I'm I'm just sort of conscious of actually uh, how long we've been on this episode already, and there's there's still a little bit to discuss in terms of the uh, the loan model, which I think is probably where we'll go next. Although I don't think it's significant of these these last two points. Is just before we do that, anything else either of you want to sort of bring up about Ilkston before we move on? Uh, no, I mean the the only other thing that uh, someone pointed out to me today, which was quite interesting, and and I went back and had a look, um, was talking about the facilities and, and Hilton has said, you know, that they're not good enough. The training pitch wasn't good enough. And I think we've already touched on, uh, you know, we've had a couple of good seasons at League One level uh, where we were pushing for promotion when we were on that pitch. Uh, the You think about back to um, when Wharton was in charge in the championship seasons, that was on Wharton's land, obviously, but the shed was down there as well. And uh, there were certain fans that, that also played on the shed. Um, I think it, maybe it was the you know the um, over fifties team or, or whatever it was that we had at the time, um, and you know that wasn't a great facility. I think we've had quite a few players on here talking about that as well, saying it was a bit run down. It did the job, but you know it wasn't the best. Um, and ultimately, you know we we yeah, won League One and, and we had some really good years in the Championship from that facility, which was obviously used when when the pitches were, um, you know, when when inclement weather. Um, so, you know, I, I do think the facilities we've got at Granford Park, although they're not fantastic, I do think they're OK. I think, um, you know, they've, they've served a purpose over the last few seasons and we have been relatively successful. I know, obviously, the last few seasons we haven't, um, but, you know, that, that first couple of seasons uh, the league one season that was all from that training pitch so um it was refurbished not too long ago wasn't it wasn't didn't rodwell put a load of money into it yeah i think it has been i think they they relayed it and they they did add some drainage and, and things like that um obviously it's the the land it doesn't drain naturally very well down there and you know that's that's going to be the case the other side of the uh, the railway bridge and, and things like that and Ultimately, it's just you know the type of the soil and things like that. It's just not not going to work. Um, but one thing I will say about the facilities, as I said, someone pointed out earlier, was um, all the players that came in in January. If you look back at their interviews, they all said how great the facilities were. You know, the, the pitch, the, the training facility, um, and Jimmy as well. Jimmy, Jimmy said how good it was. Um, you know, I've been back through those interviews today. You know, Jimmy, there was Ben Richards, Everton, there was there was Jerry. You know, they were all saying how good it was. So, um, yeah, you know, they're, they're clearly happy with it. Um, I know in the past there's been a few players that have made comments on the training pitch, um, but that was before the work that, that you mentioned there, Brad, was was undertaken. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I don't think there's been any issues with that. Right, I think let's move to the last bit now. This model that they're they're looking at maybe adopting in terms of taking on uh, taking on, I guess, players that have been released from academies higher up, and then facilitating them and and loaning them out elsewhere. To be to be honest, 
I, I, I don't understand in terms of, I, I gen, I'm not 100% sure what the, the idea is, you know, not, not in terms of whether it's a viable option or not. I, I don't quite understand this. So maybe you two can sort of uh, talk it out. Yeah, again, I, I don't really understand the model. Um, I listened to what Hilton had to say. You know, for me, it appeared to suge- he appeared to suggest that we'd be taking players that were released from Category 1 academies, which I believe is Premier League and, and a few championship clubs. Um, and we'd be we'd be signing those. We'd be giving them a contract, and then we'd be trying to loan them out and monitor the progress when they're out on loan. Um, <clears throat> again, without any more information, if if we're just going on that, that doesn't really seem too viable to me either. Um, you know, there's a couple of flaws with it. I think. I mean, the first one, if players have been released from uh, Premier League clubs and, and Championship clubs you would imagine if they were any good that that there's going to be teams higher than the National League North looking at those players to do a similar thing, potentially, you know, that they may um, may take players and, and loan them out to get a bit of experience and then, you know, feed them back into to their team. Um, so I, I'm not sure whether players are going to drop down to National League North level and then, you know, sign a contract to go out again uh, on loan and you're presuming if they're going out on loan, it's going to be to to a lower level still, so even further down the pyramid. Um, and I think that brings more issues if that is the case as well, because we already know the players that are at Ilkeston, you know, Hallam, O'Malley, you know, they have been training. I've, I've been down there, uh, picked some tickets up a few weeks ago. Uh, I believe it was the Wrexham match, and, and they were down there training. So those players that are out on loan, um, you know the young lads as well that are, that are out on the um, the loans to you know teams, uh, Gainsborough and, and things like that. They're not training all week; they're just training on certain days. So you know what happens to those players during the week when when they're not at the clubs they're on loan to? You know, are they going to be at Ilkeston? Uh, and in that scenario, you could end up. I think Hilton said between twenty and twenty five players he'd look to sign to to do this and to uh, operate this model. You'd end up with with potentially forty players down at down at Ilkeston, which to me again seems too too many. I know they may have different pitches and, and things like that, um, but yeah, I think at the moment, as it was explained, I don't really understand it. I'm not really sure it would work, um, and yeah, I think we saw we tried to do that with the with the under twenty three model slightly differently uh, because we were signing players just for that under twenty three side. Uh, and and really, that didn't work for us, did it either? Um, <clears throat> I, I don't think we had any real success stories on the back of that. So I'm not kind of completely ruling it out. Um, however, I, I do think we need a bit more information on, on how it's going to work because as it was explained, for me, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure that it's going to work. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, that was a weird one for me. I, th- I think that generally kind of everything that we took from... Um, from Hilton's statement, by and large, made some sense. But I think that this one um, w- was just one of those that kind of struck me of a bit of a harebrained idea. Do you know what I mean? It didn't really seem to sit properly in, in reality, and, and, and I'm not sure about that. And I think all the points you've made, Matt, pretty much kind of cover what I was going to say about it. Um, but I, I, I sort of would just reiterate or agree that it doesn't seem to make a huge amount of sense. And, and why would we sign this amount, these amount of players with no real intention of putting them in the first team <clears throat> on top of the existing player budget? And 
stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's 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 just one of those that unless maybe Hilton didn't explain it very well. Um, but if 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 this model or this whatever it is is such a good idea, then why does nobody else in England do it? I think you look at um, some of the bigger clubs who loan. You know, I'm I'm thinking back to sort of Chelsea. <clears throat> you know, they had so many players on the books, and they were just loaning a whole squad of players out to the lower leagues for their development. And I think that's similar in the sense that they, you know, they may have played in their youth setup, but on the whole, you know, they, they were out on loan, um, but they were out on loan at full-time clubs and 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 doing it that way, obviously, as they would be, um, being on loan from Chelsea. So for me, I think it, it could potentially work if you were a championship club or um, a premiership club who had a hell of a lot of players that you just want to get out on loan, you've signed them, you've signed some talent um, and you want to see how they progress. I, I can understand that to a point, um, but I think when you're National League North, if a player's been released from, from a Category 1 club, you'd hope it'd be good enough. I mean, it's, it's a hell of a drop, isn't it? And I know some of these players we've seen in the past when they've, they've been on loan, they're not quite ready physically and, and things like that. And, and again, that might be an issue in the National League North against some of these teams that are very physical and, and have some really experienced players who've, who've been there and done it in the lower leagues. Um, however, you'd hope that they've got the talent and they've got the, um, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're, they're capable of playing at that level. I just don't see how anyone would, would say, leave Category 1 Academy, come to Scunthorpe, National League North Club, and then you know be happy to be loaned out again, even lower down the ladder. I, I just I don't know. That's that unless he's explained it, um, and he's not kind of got the full point across. Um, so I think that again needs needs some clarification because yeah, it, for me as as we I think we all agree is it needs a bit more explanation because as it was as it was presented, um, not sure how it's going to work. I suppose the other thing is that. Um... You know, we don't really know what the makeup of the squad is going to be for next season. I mean, I'm guessing it's going to be very different to the one we have, you know, even now, you know, towards this tail end. Because I mean, I don't, I mean, personally, I don't know what who's under contract and who's not. I know you know some of them, Matt, don't you? Um, but obviously, you know, again, moving down for the training there, if we attract more players in, the ones that are under contract currently, if they are living relatively local, does that affect them as well? You know, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I think we are looking at a very different squad next season anyway. So, I, you know, I guess if, if this model was adopted in some capacity, I wouldn't, uh, you know, be that surprised if they did end up playing for us. Yeah, exactly. And actually, if, you know, that, that would probably make more sense um, if academy players that, that have kind of got that background um, would be happy to drop to the level to develop their careers and, and then progress on from there. And they've obviously not managed to um, earn a contract at, at their club that that's going to release them. Then, you know, I, I don't think anyone would uh, argue with that. I think uh, we are going to see quite a lot of young players. Uh, I would imagine, as, as I said earlier, it's going to be Midlands based because that's where Hilton's contacts are. Um, so I, I do think that's going to happen. Um, and if if some ended up in the the first team squad, that probably. Um, you know, I don't think anyone would have any arguments with that, but it's just how it was kind of explained. Yeah, I don't think that bit works, but, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll see how it develops. Yeah, and I think I think let's let's probably leave it there for that one. Um, 
yeah so the, obviously this episode has just been entirely about that uh that statement that interview has not really been about the uh the team as such there are two games of course across the easter weekend uh gateshead and oldham um i'm sure we'll we'll do something following those looking back at the performances there um but yeah i think you know, it's lots of interesting points. I think a lot of it does make sense. And I think it's great that he has come out and put this statement out. I think there's, as we were saying, a few bits and pieces that need sort of some further clarification, but I'm sure that will come. And and I'm I'm guessing it will come maybe this week as well with him doing the interview uh, elsewhere. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what comes of that. And thank you for listening to this. And we'll see you on the next one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 